Okay, great to have you here. Glad you've joined us today. And I want to welcome you this morning, all who are watching online. We are in the third week of a message series here at Hope on the Holy Spirit. We're calling it an introduction to who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit does. We saw last week that the Holy Spirit is a person, not a force, not a feeling. The Holy Spirit is God, the third person of the Trinity. And because the Holy Spirit is a person, that means we can participate in an active relationship with the Holy Spirit. The Bible even says, may the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Two weeks ago, we looked at the Bible's big story of the Holy Spirit. And we saw that while the Holy Spirit was active in the Old Testament, the Old Testament also promised a greater outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus came to give that Holy Spirit to those who believe. So if you're here today, you're a believer in Jesus, you have received the Holy Spirit, he's come into your life, so powerful and so life-changing is this experience, Jesus says that you are actually born again. Today I want to talk to you about this idea of a new spiritual birth, how the Holy Spirit comes into our life as we get to know God. Um, we have that life-changing experience called being born again. See, I would say being born is kind of a big deal. Wouldn't you agree? We celebrate birthdays. Birthday is a special day where we mark the day of somebody's birth. And today here at Hope, we actually have two birthdays to celebrate. Uh, Mario, who plays the piano, it's his birthday. And then Amy Pinter, our church admin, it's her birthday also today as well. So love birthdays. We celebrate birthdays um, because we're celebrating somebody's birth. Uh, I I was uh, sitting at the table this week with my family. We were just having a normal conversation. And honestly, I don't know what happened. It got a little bit crazy. Uh, We were talking about going to Colorado to visit family. And somehow my sister came up, my sister Katie, And she is married to her husband, Will. They have three kids. And for some reason, I was like, like, oh, hey. Um, So are Katie and Will still thinking about having more kids? And I asked Angie, because she's my wife. She knows things. I was like, oh, you think they're having more kids? And she's like, oh, no, they've they've decided to not have any more kids. Well, you should have seen the look on my eight-year-old daughter's face. Because she's like, ah, so you can decide to have kids, not have kids. And she's like, she's just like, you could see it. She's like, and then she says, so wait, where do babies come from again? I was like, oh! How did I get myself into that? I was like, oh, so it's all right. So your mom will tell you all about it. <laughs> Isn't it great to be the dad? No doubt about it. When it's Hudson's turn, my wife would be like, you're up. You know? We have all been born physically. But the Bible talks about a spiritual birth. Uh, In order to have a relationship with God and go to heaven when we die, the Bible says we must be born spiritually. We must be born again. And it really doesn't get any bigger than this. 
to be born again. To, a spiritual birth means you're a new person. You have a new spiritual life. Your life will never be the same ever again. And the question I'm asking today is, have you been born again? And we're going to explore this question a little bit this morning as we look at John chapter 3. If you have your Bible, you can open it up today. John chapter 3. We'll also put it up on the screen. Jesus is speaking here with a man named Nicodemus. And Nicodemus is a religious man. He is a moral man. And yet Jesus challenges Nicodemus. And he claims that even for somebody like Nicodemus... Be born again. It's a radical statement. And the same is true for me. The same is true for you. The same is true for every one of us today. And so I'm asking three questions this morning about this idea of born again. What does it mean? Why does it matter? How does it happen? How could you know for sure if you have been spiritually reborn? Now, a few chapters in the Bible will speak more powerfully about the Holy Spirit's work in our salvation than John chapter 3. And we're going to look at that this morning, but this is the big idea today. And Jesus is going to say it. He says, you must be born again. So let's get into it. Listen to what Jesus has to say. John chapter 3. We'll be reading verses 1 to 17. And this is that set up to the great statement, for God so loved the world. Listen to this. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who's come from God, for no one could perform the signs that you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they're old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Yikes. <laughs> Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh. And spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases, you hear its sound, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. Oh, you're Israel's teacher, said Jesus. You don't understand these things. Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to seen. Still, you people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his own one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Wow, that is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for each person who's here today. 
And you know that nobody is here by accident, but we have been drawn to this place as an opportunity to worship and to learn more about you. And pray, Holy Spirit, that as, as uh, the message goes forth, that you would be working in our hearts, transforming our lives. This is our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so John chapter 3, Jesus makes this astounding claim. If someone would be saved, they must be born again. And so our number one question is this. What does it mean to be born again? Maybe you heard that in culture today. Oh, those born again Christians or hear about being born again. What exactly does that mean? Well, we find out here an insightful conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. And so we want to we learn from Jesus what he's talking about when he says we must be born again. You may have noticed the, the Bible presents Nicodemus as uh, quite an incredible man. One of the great men of his day. Accomplished many things. We read in verse 1. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. Uh, Nicodemus has a lot going for him. Uh, he's at the top of his game. When it comes to religion, he is one of the elites. He is a Pharisee. The Pharisees were these religious leaders in the day, and they were the ones who, who were at the top of studying scriptures and memorizing and teaching scriptures and obeying the scriptures. In Jesus' day, no one was more moral or religious than a Pharisee. Nicodemus was a Pharisee, it says. It also says that Nicodemus was one of the members of the Jewish ruling council. And as amazing as that sounds, it actually is pretty amazing. Uh, the Jewish ruling council is the highest Jewish political body in Israel. It, its headquarters is in Jerusalem. It's called the Sanhedrin. You might think of it as a sort of a senate with 70 ruling members. Nicodemus is one of those members. So here's a man of, of great stature and reputation. He has many achievements and with, with, uh, with status. And he's one of these cultural elites. Yet we find Nicodemus on a lonely night searching for Jesus. Wondering, could there be something more? And all that I've attained, all that I've accomplished... Strange, it feels like something might be missing. And he finds himself seeking one named Jesus. And how many of us today would say, I'm a good person. I've arrived at a certain place in life. And yet there's an emptiness in my heart. Something is missing in my life. I can't quite put my finger on it. Nicodemus understood what that felt like. And then in verse 2, Nicodemus came to Jesus at night. Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who's come from God. For no one could perform the signs you're doing if God were not with him. Nicodemus is recognizing something in Jesus. He, he comes to Jesus with this interest calling him Rabbi. What a Tremendous title of respect. 
saying there's something about you, Jesus. God seems to be working in you, Jesus. And so he comes to Jesus at night. I like to call him Nick at night. Because I have that kind of a brain. Like, oh yeah, I love Nick at night. Why does Nicodemus come to Jesus at night? What is it about the night? Could it have been that he felt more comfortable approaching Jesus at night? And he might have been worried about, what if somebody sees me coming to Jesus? What might they think? Nicodemus approaches Jesus truly, genuinely. Maybe that's you today. You have questions. Who is Jesus? You want to explore who Jesus is. You're just not ready for certain people to know. And that's okay. By the way, we see in our story that Jesus welcomes that. He invites that just like he did for Nicodemus. So if you're here this morning and there is some silent searching in your heart for something more, that could there be something about Jesus, I invite you to lean into that this morning. You couldn't be in a better place than right here. Because let me tell you, Jesus isn't going to hold back. He didn't with Nicodemus. Nicodemus encounters Jesus face to face. And Jesus is just as real with Nicodemus as Nicodemus is genuine with Jesus. But Jesus, he goes right to the heart, doesn't he? And in verse 3, Jesus replied... Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Jesus gets right to it. And Nicodemus, as amazing as you are, as incredible as you are, all you've accomplished, let me tell you something. That there is no seeing the kingdom. There is no salvation. There is no relationship with God apart from being born again. I kind of laugh at Nicodemus. He gets a little confused he doesn't quite understand did you catch that he has no idea what jesus is talking about at all he's like uh born again come again like what are you talking about and, and he you know in his mind he's picturing somebody literally being born again and it's not a good picture <laughs> verse four how can someone be born when they're old nicodemus asked surely they can't enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born he's like i got some problems with this jesus first of all logistically i don't think my mom's going to be on board <laughs> yeah what does jesus do he just says it again he re-emphasizes his point and adds some clarification jesus answered first five very truly i tell you no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the Spirit. What does Jesus say about being born again? What was Nicodemus missing? Teacher of Israel? Yet he didn't want, understand one thing. He didn't understand the work of the Holy Spirit and the person of the Holy Spirit. Because when Jesus talks about being born again, He's saying it's a new birth of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit gives life. We are changed. We become a new person. Just like our first birth gave us physical life, the new birth gives us new spiritual life. 
And what's needed is spiritual birth. When Jesus talks about being born again, he's speaking of a decisive inner transformation of the heart where our sin is forgiven and we become alive to God in a way that only the spirit could do. We become a new spirit, a new person spiritually. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. Okay, if only the Holy Spirit can do that, Brian, why did he mention water and the spirit? I'm so glad you asked. There's a big debate among scholars. Maybe some people have some different ideas here this morning. If you study that, that's okay. We're not talking about the gospel here. But what do people think, scholars think, about this water and the spirit? Well, some people say Jesus is talking about two different births. So you've got, uh, you know, the first is spiritual birth, birth of the water. Uh, ladies, when, you know it's time the baby's coming when water breaks. You got that natural birth. And then you have the spiritual birth. Other people hear the word water and they automatically assume Jesus must be talking about water baptism. So to go to heaven, you need to be water baptized. I only got one problem with that. The Bible, the thief on the cross. Like that's, that's not, not what it's talking about here. It's not talking about water baptism. I think the most obvious answer, although I'm, I like number one, I think the most obvious answer, though, is that the whole phrase, the water and the Spirit, is actually referring to the Holy Spirit. In fact, in just a few chapters later, Jesus uses water as symbolic of the Holy Spirit. So check this out in John chapter 7. Jesus says, whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. That's a cool description of a life changed by the Holy Spirit. You got some rivers of living water flowing from within you? Yeah, by this. What did he mean by the water? By this he meant the Spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. And so if this is the case, Jesus isn't just talking about water baptism here. Could it be he's speaking of a baptism of the Holy Spirit, which those who were later to believe in him were to receive? Curious. Others have noticed that later on in the passage, Jesus actually reprimands Nicodemus. And he says, Nicodemus, you're a teacher of Israel. And, and you don't understand what this means? What, what didn't Nicodemus understand? Christian baptism? Well, that's not even around yet. Nicodemus didn't understand the Old Testament scriptures. And he should have known about this famous and wonderful promise. In the Old Testament that actually links water and the spirit, it even sounds like a description of being born again. It's so magnificent. Check this out. Ezekiel 36. Could this be what Jesus was saying, Nicodemus, you should know. Here it is, right here in the Old Testament, Ezekiel 36. God says, I will sprinkle clean water on you. And you will be clean from all your uncleanness, from all your idols, I will cleanse you. It's just radical forgiveness and cleansing. And then God says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put in you. And I will remove 
the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Wow. God's saying in the Old Testament, something amazing is going to happen. That is, I'm going to take your hard heart, your stubborn heart, your rebellious heart, your sinful heart, your heart that is so far away from me, and I'm going to give you a heart of flesh, one that's alive to God, one that's tender to the things of God. And it actually says, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. You will be born into a new person to live a new life. What does it mean to be born again? Paul says in Ephesians, we were dead in sin. Now we're alive in Jesus Christ. Second Corinthians, we are new creations in Christ. The old has passed away. All things have become new. John calls it a passing from death into life. There is a decisive moment in our lives where there is an implanting of a new spiritual life in you, transforming your heart by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus calls it being born again. Have you been born again? Are you alive to the presence and power of God through the Holy Spirit? Second question. What, what does it mean to be born of the Holy Spirit? It's the implanting of a new spiritual life. Number two, why is it necessary to be born again? And I think Jesus is very adamant that we must be born again. New birth is necessary. He says it in verse 3. Then he repeats it in verse 5. As we read verses 5 through 7, he says it a third time. Listen to this, verse 5, Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and spirit. That's the second. Flesh gives birth to flesh. But spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. Notice Jesus doesn't say, have you considered being born again? You should be born again. No, no, no. Jesus says you must be born again. He said to Nicodemus, don't be surprised. He said this. I think Nicodemus was surprised. Don't you? I think he was a little surprised. If anyone had all the credentials, if there was anyone who'd done all the right things, a person worth following and emulating, a good person, a good man, accomplished many things, if someone could earn their way to the kingdom of heaven, it would have been Nicodemus. Jesus said, it's not enough, Nicodemus. You must be born again. New birth is necessary. There's no other way to get into the party. I, I, I read a great story this week to help illustrate this. Alexandra Flynn of Fremont, Nebraska. Who in the world knows where Fremont, Nebraska is? I certainly don't. But she was, story goes, she was looking forward to the homecoming dance. She left home in high spirits but she didn't have her high school ID with her. When the man at the door refused her admission without her ID, she went home to get it. Unable to find it, her mother went with her back to the dance to identify her and to explain. Thank you, Mom. Again, the daughter was refused admission without the ID. 
Alexander had the tickets in her hand. Uh, Alexandra had the tickets in her hand, but was still not admitted. Even though Alexandra Flynn of Fremont High is the student body president, plays cello in the All-State Choir, is on the honor roll, is the school's number one cheerleader, and she spent hours decorating the gym for the homecoming dance. She was still not admitted. Did I mention she was also the homecoming queen? But she never did get in. If there was any way to get into heaven by our resume, by our own goodness, by our good deeds, Nicodemus would have done it. But the Bible teaches that we are not saved by what we do, by our good works. And if there was one who could, think about Nicodemus. He was at the top of his class. We could do all the things that Nicodemus did. Be a good person, go to church, know the Bible, pray, go do all of those things. But none of those things can actually get us into heaven. The only way to get into heaven is to have in your possession a spiritual ID. You must be born of the Holy Spirit. Jesus explains it well. He says, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. It is a spiritual impossibility for our flesh to give us a spiritual life. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. Only spirit gives birth to spirit. We need new life through the power of the Holy Spirit. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. In other words, just being born because of our sinfulness doesn't, isn't enough to get us into heaven. 1 Corinthians 15.50, Paul says, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood can inherit the kingdom of God. We all fall short of the glory of God. We all need a salvation that we are unable to provide on our own. We need a work of the Holy Spirit to change our hearts and change our lives. That's every one of us. That's, that's me. That's you. That's all of us. But if the Holy Spirit has done a work in your heart, Paul encourages us in Romans 8 and 9. He says, You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but you're in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. What does it mean to be born again? It's the implanting of a new spiritual life in our hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit. Why is it necessary? Jesus says we can't enter the kingdom of heaven unless we're born again. Last question. How are we born again? How can you know if you've been born again? How could you be sure if the Spirit's done a work in your life and you have forgiveness of sins and eternal life? And some of you are here today and you're saying, I, I want that. I want a relationship with God. I want to know I can go to heaven when I die. What can I do? How can I be born again? Or maybe you're, you're here saying, and you're like, it's not me. I'm, I know that the Holy Spirit's done a work in my life, but, but maybe I'm asking today about someone I love. Or maybe it's a child, and you're wondering, God, could you do a work in their heart? Oh, Lord, how, how could you change their life? How could they begin a relationship with you? And, and what we see here in this passage is that it's actually going to be a work 
of the Holy Spirit. This is not something we can do. This is something the Spirit of God can do. As we say here, God transforms lives. So Jesus wants us to know something about how the Holy Spirit works. And he's going to show us that the way the Holy Spirit works in a human heart is both wonderful and mysterious. Did you catch that? He compares it to the wind, verse 8. He says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So is everyone who's born of the Spirit. Isn't it mysterious how sometimes the Holy Spirit works in our hearts and in the hearts of others? We are patient, trusting God to do His work in His time. He says it's like the wind. Think about the last windstorm we had. I didn't see the wind, did you? But I saw the effects of the wind. I saw the tree swaying. I saw a branch come down. I'm thinking, man, I'm going to have to pick that up later. So is the work of the Holy Spirit. We don't always see that it's happening until it does. And then you see the effects of the Holy Spirit. It, likewise, I have met people, and maybe you're one of these uh, amazing people, where you know the very moment that God came into your life. And there are friends of mine who have actually written in their Bible the day, the month, and the year they gave their life to Jesus Christ. And they actually call that their spiritual birthday. It's the day they celebrate being born again. But there are other people that I know, and they don't know the exact moment that the Holy Spirit changed their heart and their life. It, it could be uh, someone who's grown up in the church, or maybe you started attending a Bible study and, or, 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 uh, or, or a small group or, or, or a church and suddenly realize something's different. You don't exactly know when it happened, but something has happened I love how C.S. Lewis describes his conversion experience. This is what he says. C.S. Lewis says, I was driven to <laughs> Whipsnade one sunny morning. That's fun to say. When we sat out, this is crazy. When C.S. Lewis says, when we sat out, I did not believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And when we reached the zoo, I did. I had not exactly spent the journey in thought nor in great emotion. Emotional is perhaps the last word we can apply to some of the most important events. It was more like when a man, after a long sleep, still lying motionless in bed, becomes aware that he's now awake. Can't explain it, C.S. Lewis says. I changed my life. I was living in the darkness. And then I was seeing the light. I, I, it was like I was sleeping and then I was suddenly awake. I, I was dead in sin. Suddenly I, I've been born again. My whole life has changed. I'm a new person. I've been born again. So we come to this question today. We'll put it up again. How were we born again? Jesus is telling us something about the work of the Holy Spirit. 
He's saying the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a person is mysterious. But it's also not a secret either. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, like that serpent that was lifted on a cross, Jesus lifted up on the cross. Jesus says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. He's saying to every one of us today, it's possible, your child can change, your loved one can change, your neighborhood can change, your coworker can be changed, this nation can be changed. How? In the lifting up of the name of Jesus Christ. When Jesus is lifted up, he will draw all people unto him. When we preach the gospel and shine the light of Jesus, you better believe the Holy Spirit is at work. How can I see a life changed? Someone born again, shine that light of Jesus Christ. We're even going to have a whole message on boldness and sharing our faith and the work of the Spirit. But I also want you to know that your life can be changed today. And if you want to know for sure that you've been born again, you want heaven when you die, or God to fill that, fill that emptiness in your heart with a brand new life in Him, there's only one way. The Bible says Jesus is the way. He paid the price for our sin by dying and rising from the dead. So everyone who believes in Jesus receives a new life with God through the power of the Holy Spirit. As it says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Would this be the moment for you today? You've never done it before that God changes your life. There's only one way to see the kingdom. Jesus says it. You must be born again. He saves us. He changes us. He makes us new when we put our faith and trust in him. Let's pray. God, we thank you this morning for new spiritual life. We thank you that even when we were dead, in our trespasses and sin, we have been made alive in Jesus Christ. I also want to thank you today, God, that it's not by our works that we're saved. Because I know even in my own life, God, there's so many ways I've fallen short. And we recognize our sin. We confess our sin. And we know but by a work of the Holy Spirit, God, we cannot see your kingdom. We cannot experience the joy of a relationship with you. So God, today, for those who are alive in the Spirit, we thank you for new life. And for those who want to receive it. In this moment, God, as they're even praying, would you come in and fill their heart with your presence and power so that they know that they know that they know that you are with them. And you will never leave us or forsake us. You comfort us. You're our helper. You're our advocate. And we love you so much, God. Thank you for your love that you sent Jesus to die on the cross and pay that price. Thank you for the resurrection so that we can live in the life of the resurrection through the power of the Holy Spirit. But would you change our lives? Keep changing this world. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen.